everybody it is that time i am thankful that tj made it back to the studio <laughs> after such a uh long weekend baby showers Gosh. and painting it was big big weekend we we got the nursery painted made some furniture rearrangements i'm i'm, I'm glad to be here i'll just say it that way i'm glad to be here so your, your fam was in town helping you get all that stuff done yeah they came to visit they came in town for multiple reasons yeah they came to well really they came to visit chloe and be there for for the shower but while they were here went ahead and took advantage of dad's handiwork and <laughs> we, we worked on the nursery and spent some time doing that so which by the way do you have your nursery rocking yet it is not rocking it is full of baby clothes that have already been given to yeah, us funny how that is um but no we are many steps and phases behind the darties G- give me plenty of heads up whenever you're about to do it and i'll make sure that i rearrange <laughs> my schedule yeah, we'll, we'll for mark, my benefit. Yeah, we'll mark it down. Okay. Then. All right, we're going to get rolling here. Uh, we are the Reformed Informants, and this is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs, along with TJ Darty. So, what's on the docket for today? Man, we got another listener requested episode. I'm pumped up that we yeah. have people who are listening, giving good feedback, um, not always positive necessarily we're getting good constructive <laughs> feedback right and so uh no it's we we've had um several requests of episodes and sometimes we need to wait and address them further down the road kind of building our theologies but sometimes we're able to stop and kind of do these standalone um episodes or, or kind of segue episodes we just finished um recently the bibliology series and so uh, before we kind of jump into another mini series i thought it would be good to actually address a listener request um something that is really an important topic yeah um so yeah continue to reach out to us on social media outlets if you give us a request 99.9 percent of those requests will be fulfilled right right i'm glad you kind of couched it a little bit just in case there's that one obscure request (laughs) that we just maybe shouldn't be able to address but but in all seriousness we want um, the feedback we want people to say, hey, these are some things that um, we need to hear about. We want to think about. These are some questions we're wrestling with, and not that not that we have all the answers, but we want to be able to talk through and think through and and demonstrate how biblical exposition, systematic theology, actually serves the church in such a way. Um, that's kind of our goal, and and these are questions that you and I have talked about and wrestled with, and that the church is trying to wrestle with and 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 address. So. That's that's the goal behind that. So yeah, definitely reach out to us. Super accessible uh, email, uh, social media. You know, if you know us, shoot us a text. We'd love to to be able to address some of those things. So uh, by way of listener request, yeah, we're, two listeners, we're t- two listeners. That's right. We had a double request here to deal with the prosperity gospel. Yeah, the prosperity gospel. So a, a hot topic, huge. Always it seems like, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, what is what is the prosperity gospel, Lance? Like we we've done an episode on what is the gospel, and today we're gonna try to address this deviation from the gospel. I, I think it's fair to say. So, what is the prosperity gospel? What do I what do we mean when we use that phrase, that terminology? Because when you say that, I know what you mean. 
you know what I mean. But yeah. what are you? What are we referencing? Yeah. First off, we want to say the prosperity gospel is not the true biblical gospel. Right. Okay. So that that's just a, a term that attaches to it, so that we know what it is. Yeah, it's recognizable. Okay. If, if you say it, people are going to recognize for the most part, and and to some degree understand what the prosperity gospel is. Okay? But it's but you're saying it's not the. It's not an actual yeah. version of the gospel. Yeah, if you go back and listen to, I think, episode four, what is the gospel? That yes. is the biblical gospel message. The one we're talking about today isn't the biblical gospel, um, but it's known as the prosperity gospel, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Uh, the word of faith movement mm-hmm. um, are, are pretty much the three ways of referring to this this false gospel. Maybe maybe at a more advanced level, the new apostolic reformation. Yeah. Um, you know, like this... and. Of course, we could get into an entirely separate discussion regarding that, but that's some of the source behind yeah, this I think, thought. Uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely lumped in there as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're talking about a, a gospel um, that is a false gospel that we would clearly call a false gospel, but mixed in there are biblical terms, mm. uh, scripture references, text portions of scripture so this false gospel the prosperity gospel uses the bible as its source to um essentially get the message message out to the masses right right no that's that's exactly you're exactly right that this is a a false version but still uses i'm glad you mentioned that they're still going to use um, biblical language, they're going to use biblical references, and, and they're going to attempt, at least in some degree, in various varying degrees, but at some level, they're going to attempt to deal with biblical text. Right. They're, they're, they're not pretending that the Bible is irrelevant to their message. They are distorting or manipulating or um, reading into the text to say make the Bible say something that it actually doesn't say, but they're not just kicking the Bible to the curb and saying, hey, read this book, read... Uh, such and such literature, that's our real authority. No, they're going to pretend or at least presume that the Bible is the authority behind yeah. the message. Right? Yeah, if you're a false teacher uh, using a false gospel, you don't just come out and say those things, right? right? right. So they're actually using uh, the truth. They're using the scripture and, and they're distorting it to, you know, again, get a false gospel, a false message uh, to, to the people, to the masses. Well, I think... As we discuss this, I think what you just said is is really important to highlight, and that is that I've said this before in other contexts that no false teacher walks up to the pulpit on Sunday morning holding a sign saying <laughs> I'm a false teacher, right? Like not only are they not going to tell you that, but in a lot of ways they may not even think that they are. Like a lot of ways they are so convinced of their message um, that they don't believe it, and even the biblical language re- relating to false teachers. Oftentimes, Jesus refers to them as wolves in sheep's clothing, right. right? Like they appear, I mean, Satan masquerades at times as an angel of light. Like there's there's an appearance of holiness, there's an appearance of, of, of church-related imagery, but the reality underneath of that is far from the truth. Right, yeah, so, you, you made a good point. Uh, some of the <laughs> Some of the false teachers that, you know, will mention and, and the message that they bring— some of them honestly believe, mm. I think, the message that, that they give. They honestly think that that's what the Scripture teaches. And then on the other extreme, th- there are those that know exactly what mm. they're saying, exactly what they're teaching. And as Second Peter um, would tell us, 
well, in Second Peter rather, that, that they're doing this for uh, gain. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing this for money mm-hmm. um, is essentially what's fueling it. And of course, we would say that those people who, the higher their level of knowledge, the higher their level of responsibility, the higher level of accountability they will have um, at that last day, right? Like that's a scary thought. Um, scary thought. You, you told me an example earlier. I hope we were able to, to touch on it that just thinking about the reality of somebody thinking in this way and, and speaking in this way, it's scary to to even ponder about how the God of the universe is going to deal with that. Right, because they misrepresent God mm, okay. 24-7 yeah. in their ministries. That's, yeah. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to be in that spot. Um, so we want to tackle this issue as a way to mm-hmm. inform those who are listening um, of some ways to identify yeah. if uh, maybe you're caught up in this type of teaching or this type of gospel. Okay, um, so maybe I am unaware of this. If I'm maybe I'm in a, a situation like this, or maybe I'm not, but I want to just become more aware. Uh, Lance, what type of language, phrases, terms uh, kind of trigger a response? It might be th- like, what words do you hear that make the antenna go up? The red flag goes yeah. up. Yeah. Um, health, wealth, prosperity, gospel, that God is going to make you healthy mm-hmm. and that generally speaking, your, your body should be whole or mm. your body should be well. And that's a sign of blessings from God. Um, you, you should also have money. Yeah. You, you should be wealthy. And if you're not wealthy, there, there is something wrong with you mm-hmm. or you're lacking faith. Um, and then thirdly, I would add to that, that your life ought to be a prosperous life. In other words, your job must be yeah. going well. Your circumstances must be going well. There's no room for any suffering in the health, wealth, and prosperity mm-hmm. gospel, mm-hmm. which if you look through the scriptures, it talks about suffering consistently with yeah. the Christian life. Yeah. Um, I would echo what would all, you add to yeah, that? Yeah, I would echo all of that. Um, a couple of phrases that I think are often attached um, with with the health and wealth gospel, things that if I hear somebody say something like, I'm, I'm believing God for this thing, and it's always a self-centered thing, right? Like, I'm believing God that he's going to give me that promotion. Well, not that I'm believing God that he will supply my every need, as Paul says in Philippians 4, but that he will give me the thing that I want. You know, I'm believing God for this. Um, I'm declaring. I'm claiming. Okay, yeah, declaring and claiming. If I say it, and I say it enough, and I Mm -hmm. say it with confidence, Mm -hmm. it will come to pass. Yes, and it's it's taking ownership and um, placing the onus within myself and not trusting in God. So the phrases and terms like claiming, declaring, um, victory, victory, you're going to yeah, hear victory, victory a lot, like the re- uh, release from bondage, releasing yourself for, or deliverance, deliverance. That's a, a huge, um, a huge term that is used frequently in a lot of these distortions of the gospel that say, that instead of being delivered from sin, we're going to be delivered from poverty. We're going to be delivered from sickness. There's real deliverance, and God has a God has promised you X, Y, and Z, and that's yours if you claim that. If you sow a seed, that's another phrase you're going to hear a ton. You see that all over all TV. Yes, yeah, sow the seed of faith, sow the seed of giving, and you will reap the reward. And it's so. So if I hear those things, my antenna go up. 
Like my, I'm going, wait a second. Like that's, that might kind of have a root in the Bible, but not, not in the way you're using it. Right. And so those things come to mind very quickly. Yeah. I remember back uh, just a few years ago at a, uh, a local gym uh, that I would work out at, um, before the days when you came over to... Yeah, before the days when we are up in the darty garage, <laughs> his little CrossFit yeah, box. hitting up CrossFit, 6 a.m., yeah. come join us. But I remember seeing on the TV, um, basically an ad or a commercial, um, where one of these televangelists, the Health, Wealth, Prosperity Gospel teachers, were asking for $2,000, um, and they would respond by praying for the individual that gave mm-hmm. two thousand mm-hmm. dollars and i just of course it was like five five fifteen i'm like i, I can't believe i'm seeing this uh-huh. already uh-huh. The, this false gospel that's being promoted look i'm gonna i'm gonna pray for you that prayer is gonna come true but you, you have to give me two thousand dollars in order for that to happen of course right and and speaking of that you often have those cases where somebody claims i will if you will give money to my ministry or whatever else, I will pray for you. And because I'm the Lord's anointed, uh, I have been anointed by God. That's another very strong uh, indicator that somebody is promulgating a word of faith or or health and wealth type of, of gospel, which says, I have been anointed. I have a special gifting. And so if you will give to me, I will turn around and deflect that blessing onto you. Right. And um, it's dangerous. I, it's incredibly dangerous. Um, Lance, I, I want to ask this, and I know that there might be some hesitation about it. And so maybe we need to have a discussion prior to actually doing this. But what names... Um, of pastors or leaders actually promote these type of teaching? Like, wh- like yeah. who do we need to be aware of? I think, you know, our, our heart behind talking about some of the names mm-hmm. that we'll mention, the, the heart behind it isn't um, a general attack on them as a person, mm-hmm. a general attack on their character, but it is an attack on what they teach. That, 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 is, that, is, that is the issue here. Mm-hmm. And the names that we're going to mention are public names. They mm-hmm. have public ministries. They're on the, the Facebooks. They're on the Twitters. They're They've on got TV. Books. They're right. on TV. Right. Every, everywhere you go, essentially, in the Christian community, you're going to come across these particular names. So Highly recognizable, by the way, even for the non-Christian. Yeah. But, right, like A lot of times, some of these names are associated with Christianity, and so we want to separate ourselves from these false teachers, identify them, pray for them, not, like you said, it's not a smear campaign, it's not a way of saying, uh, you know, if you've ever listened to one of their uh, sermons or read one of their books that you're probably going to hell. Like, that's not our point. Yeah, the that's, point is... That's not even the heart. The point is the opposite, like you said. It's to bring awareness. It's to um, expose and bring the truth to light so that we can uh, progress in sanctification and, and try to understand what's really at the heart here. Yeah. Is that... I mean, yeah, is, absolutely. Do you think that's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, th- yeah, that's absolutely fair. Um, well, well, at least here, here in Texas, you know... <laughs> We've got a couple that jump off the page. Um, some that most of you guys that are listening are probably familiar mm-hmm. with. But we, we would probably start with Joel Osteen. He's essentially the the, the poster boy yeah. for the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. He's got a church down in Houston. Um, I think upwards of fifty thousand. It's crazy people that go to church there throughout the weekend. Um, he's got dozens of books mm-hmm. and books that have sold really well. Yeah. So his message is 
literally, I mean, it literally is worldwide. Yeah, it, right? it, that's exactly right. Yeah, he, in a lot of ways, Joel Osteen is the name and the face of this entire movement because his, uh, because of his widespread influence and impact. Right. Uh, maybe not that he was the first, or maybe not that he's the most extreme, but he is, in a lot of ways, the most recognizable. Yeah, and he may be a nice guy, and yeah. he may do a lot of great things around the community. And you and I don't know his heart. Sure. I, I don't know what is motivating him. But I do know what he says right. is dangerous, wrong, and needs to be addressed. Yes, and, and that's and that's, that's what we're doing right. here. What what does he say? Is that biblical, and is it something that we should believe and mm-hmm. and live by? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, obviously, we'd argue now. Of course, right. Who who else? Joel Osteen's the yeah. first name that jumps off the page, but then what other? Yeah, I think another one, at least just locally, would be T.D. Jakes. Yeah. Um, out at the, uh, I think it's the Potter's House in Dallas. Yeah, it's that's right, it's right next to, to right. maybe a block or two away from Dallas Baptist University. I don't think I knew that. Um, so, I mean, it's it's close. And, and the same thing, he, he's promoting the same message as Joel Osteen, health, wealth, prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he has Trinitarian problems Yeah, he as has well. some aberrant views on mm-hmm. the Trinity that... Uh, we'll, we'll definitely, I think we will probably talk about those in later episodes. I but would just yeah. to mention it here, he's a modalist or a one, oneness, oneness Pentecostal, Pentecostalist, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where which would which would reject uh, the three persons of the Trinity, so it's a distorted view of even who God is, um, along yeah. with the other prosperity issues, yeah. right? Um, a couple of other names that. Uh, again, Texas folks, guys who are around here, Kenneth Copeland, um, <laughs> he's all over the place right now. Yeah, with, well, uh, yeah, his jet, right? Yeah, he is. Well, this the episode that we're recording right now won't air for a couple more weeks, uh-huh. but currently, like yeah. within the last day or so, yeah. Inside Edition kind of had him cornered up. <laughs> yeah, um, which which is, we laugh about, but the reality is that's a serious issue. Um, but yes, he's a, a incredibly recognizable name. Um, Lance, you have some personal experience with with Todd White. What? Yeah. Can you talk about that very briefly? Yeah, Todd White. Are you White. comfortable doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Todd White. He is a. Uh, I think he's on staff at Gateway Church mm-hmm. now. Uh, Gateway Church in South Lake, and there's you know a few more campuses around uh, the Metroplex. Um, but he's widely known for his quote unquote healing ministries mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube. Um, and I mean, really, really blown up. You see him speaking yep. at conferences worldwide, um, of, of course, on social media. But th- there's danger in what he offers. Basically, he offers a gospel that, in one way or another, promises to heal everybody from their mm-hmm. uh, physical illnesses or diseases or injuries or, or, or whatever it may be. Now, were you wanting me to mention the story about when I saw him in public? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Lance, so Lance has, has taught for a number of years um, and has dealt with with students who have been exposed to Todd White's teaching, and you've kind of had to maybe gently address some of those things. But then push came to shove, and reality, you you run into him. Yeah, I, I ran into him. I remember at this. The local Kroger. <laughs> the the irony was is that he was in the healthy food section. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, grabbing some fruits and veggies. But but you didn't you didn't approach him and deal with all his theological well errors at the time, right? Now, really, honestly, if I'm recalling that situation accurately, there were a crowd of people around him yeah. getting autographs, yeah, which is okay? just absurd. Yeah, and when you break down his teaching in particular, he has some aberrant views of Jesus Christ. Mm, that's right. Um, he has some aberrant views of God. 
um, which all of those are to some degree exposed on a great documentary that we'll mm-hmm. mention later mm-hmm. on. Uh, and, and we'll talk about some of these views in general um, as far as the distortion of the gospel here momentarily. Um, but there are some distinctions that some of these guys have really owned to say these are where I camp out. Sure. A um, couple other names. Um, Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. That's, that's another recognizable name and face. Um, Joyce Meyer, yeah. see her all over the place. Guys, just YouTube. Go to YouTube. Yes, it, it, they're all over the place. Um, Paula White, Creflo Dollar, and maybe one of the more dangerous ones right now, um, mainly through the channel of their music, but is Bill Johnson. Yeah. And where's where's he at? Yeah, Why do Bill I Johnson that? out at uh, Bethel Church in Redding, Redding. California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the really the. I don't know, the segue from that church to the culture is essentially, like you mentioned, through through the music. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, they have music that, generally speaking, is good music. Right, yeah, sounds um, good. But, but theologically, uh, that entire um, church and that, that music, uh, yeah. their, their band, you said Jesus Culture, their band, is just far a far cry from the gospel. Well, and we'll, I think it would be helpful to do a discussion on music and and how those factors are in play but the the point we want to make is that these names are incredibly dangerous in the way that they distort the gospel itself and so everything that they say is going to be inherently rooted in a non-biblical version of the gospel right and sometimes they might say something that is valuable they might say something that is biblical it doesn't mean that every single thing that they say is completely off the rails it just means that deep down their root while we are firmly rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what drives us our whole we said this early on i think the way you said it was beautiful that our systematic theology is bound together by the gospel yeah. without the gospel you have no theology and their theology is distorted um, entirely because their version of the gospels is distorted. Right. So yeah. So yeah. So uh, the rest of the episode, we're going to spend time uh, answering this question: In what theological areas does the prosperity gospel fail? Because look, you may not attend one of their churches, mm-hmm. you may not be associated or involved with their ministries, but it, it's possible you could be at a church that does propagate the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. So we want to talk about where that gospel fails mm-hmm. and kind of lay out some bullet points or some components to that and then let you use that to be able to right. identify right. if you are involved right. in this false gospel. One one verse um, that came to mind as we began to talk about this um, that I think fits the whole flavor of what we're trying to say comes from Galatians chapter 1. Paul begins his discussion with the Galatians. He um, famously doesn't have his general loving demeanor on display <laughs> right at the beginning of this letter. Yeah, he unleashes yeah, immediately. Much more serious in tone. Sure. Um, and he says in verse 6 of chapter 1, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. 
And then he says, verse 7, not that there is another one, because there is only one gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and he goes on to say, if, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And so th- my he point— says- Two times, yeah. back-to-back times there. Highly that's a big emphatic. Deal. And, that's, and I think that's why that is so important for us to understand is that this is not just, hey, we're bored and we don't know what else to talk about, so let's just bash these guys for a sure. few. Like, this is a serious deal and we a distortion of the gospel. That's what Paul says. It's not that they have a misunderstanding of their eschatology that needs to be addressed. I mean, that's serious, but this is the heart of the Christian ministry. This is the heart of what Christianity is. It's the heart of what theology is. It's the heart of who God is. And a distortion of this, Paul says, not acceptable. Like there's a, there's a line drawn in the sand and he's distinguishing himself and other sound teachers from men who are doing this very thing. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, that let's talk about that. Yeah. That's a perfect segue into what we need to talk about here. Okay, so the prosperity gospel fails in delivering the true biblical gospel, okay? And I think we can at least break that apart in, in terms of showing how the prosperity gospel misrepresents God, misrepresents Christ, misrepresents the Holy Spirit. And I think we could add to that the gospel misrepresents man. Yeah, the, 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 the prosperity gospel. Remember when we talked um, early on about the gospel, we talked about God, man, Christ response, like those central components of the gospel. There's a distortion all through that with this whole thing. And you, you, you could almost just systematically walk through those areas. But, but let's start with God. Let's think about, okay, how do they misrepresent God in the way that they view or depict who God is? In general, now we're speaking generally about the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement. Um, that's not to say that every single one has all of these things perfectly, but this is a general, I, it's fair to say this is characterizing the prosperity movement. So let's talk a little bit. Lance, what what first comes to mind? How do they distort God? Yeah, I think we'd argue and demonstrate that their distortion of God um, essentially flips God from being the sovereign who is doing all things uh, according to his will for his glory and for mm-hmm. his namesake to the entire gospel is now about man. Yeah. That in other words, God God is doing everything for humanity primarily, you know, but he gets some kind of the residual effect from sure. doing that. Yeah, that's I mean we'll we'll clap our hands and say thank you God but the reality is is that the focus is not on God it's not on his character it's not on his work it's on what he can do for us and not not just what he can do for us but what he wants to do for us God wants to bless us God wants to give us these things all we have to do is sow the faith and sow um, our money and he will reap the, we will reap tremendously because of this and it's a manipulation and a distortion of who God really is. Yeah, there's no real study or investment in learning and knowing the attributes of God, Mm -hmm. understanding and loving his character. It's basically, what can I get from God? Mm -hmm. And and that's how God is presented, wanting to do that 24-7. It isn't about his glory. It's it's about man. And it's a, it's a, that is such a, an underhanded way of making God so weak. Uh, 
and they won't say that. N- nobody would say that. But when you have a God who can't do what he wants to do unless you get out of his way, who's really God there? Right. You know, and of course, we'll have this discussion in other facets of theology, but that's what they've done. They've said, God wants to bless you, but you are too, you're in his way, and he can't do it. And reality, if God wants something done, God will do it. And that's, can you, can you give me an, a real life example, um, maybe one that you've witnessed personally of how this type of mentality, what it actually leads to? Right. I remember going to a, uh, prophetic healing service. Did you uh, have Did you have something wrong? Were you trying? To, no, I didn't have okay. anything wrong. I just I, I just want to yeah. check on you. I mean, we we've, we've got you know. I think you have health insurance, and I've got a little lower out. back tightness right now. <laughs> no, but you know. So you were just you were going as a yeah. I was going you know basically to be informed yes. on what goes on. Okay. In those particular services, you know, it wasn't. I wasn't going there okay. to bash the situation, but I was going to at least glean from, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, that culture or this idea of a, of a prosperity gospel. But I remember some uh, young woman got up on the uh, microphone and uh, was basically declaring that she wills God's will to be done. Mm. In, in other words, she was telling God that she was giving him the okay yeah, yeah. to be God. Gosh. I, I Which I, I was floored. It's hard to imagine like not running out of the building right then, just thinking that the wrath of God is about to be poured out. And it's a that's a honestly that's a display of his mercy um upon that person who for all we know and we pray that that type of mentality would be um corrected and that she might repent and and come to a, a biblical understanding it's not hey we want to see these people smited we want to see the glory of god revered and yeah. protected and Absolutely. i think that's what you do when you distort who god is you start telling god what to do um to, to continue in this not just god the father or, or god the trinity is distorted, but even christ um in fact the whole movement in a lot of ways is a complete misrepresentation of who Christ is, um, that their Christology is so upside down. They, they, uh, it's rooted in a Christology which says that, that God is not, excuse me, that Jesus is not the eternal son of God, but that Jesus has become divine. He has learned obedience in, in the fullest sense, right? Uh, what am I missing there? Take, finish me out. Yeah, no, yeah, it is. It's a distortion of Christ. Um, that he, in terms of being eternally God, well, when he was born into this world, some of them will say that he had to become God mm-hmm. or even go as far to say when Jesus Christ was on the cross that he became a sinner in yeah. order to die for sinners. Okay, we would completely reject both of those things. Right. Jesus Christ is truly God, truly man. He's the God-man. He has always been eternally God, Mm -hmm. even in human flesh, and he not once for one nanosecond ever became a sinner on the cross. But but to see where their theology, why it's rooted that way, if you can claim that Jesus was in fact merely a man who did enough and had enough faith that he became who he became and worked these miracles, that's what these men of God, so to speak, are, are trying to demonstrate is to say, look, if we do the same, we could be just like that. 
we can walk on water, we can turn water to wine, we can raise people from the dead, we can make blind people see, we can do all of those things if we just have faith the same way Jesus did. Right. And so it's a, a complete misunderstanding of Christ, which totally which totally undermines what happened on the cross. Yeah. Right? Like, we've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again. But the cross has to include Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. It can't be just man. Yeah. He has to be divine. Yeah, just man is another gospel. Exactly. Just man is another gospel. I mean, you look through other false religions and cults that affirm Jesus Christ. Yes. But which Jesus Christ? That's right. Well, the Christ that's just a man. Yeah. We want to hold to God-man. That's right. Okay, we've talked about God the Father. We've talked about God the Son. Perhaps the biggest distortion is God the Spirit. Where do they get that wrong? Yeah, well, what you'll see in the prosperity gospel is a lot of hype, a lot of buzz, a lot of talk about signs and wonders. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of emotion, uh, a lot of experiential, uh, quote-unquote, teaching out there. Mm -hmm. All of those things are attributed to a work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you've got a lot of emotion, um, if you are feeling or experiencing the quote-unquote supernatural, mm-hmm. it's because the Holy Spirit is acting and moving, and you've invited him into your, your presence, and yeah. he is there, etc. We, we would just say that th- that is a complete wrong view of pneumatology. And doesn't, and doesn't that sound good, though? Like, like it's appealing. Yeah, because because what it sounds like is we are we are worshiping God, the Holy Spirit, and look at how He has shown up. He is manifesting um, His presence, and He wants to heal. He wants to have these divine. I mean, I've seen the things of like the holy fits of laughter, like two hours of just non like I mean, scary to watch. But it's this is a supernatural event. Look, the Spirit is manifesting Himself, and it sounds good. The music is is so pointed towards the Holy Spirit. Um, if the Holy, if you would just invite the Holy Spirit to be, he's welcome in this place, let him come and watch him do things. But as you said, that's a, that's a complete misunderstanding of pneumatology because who does the Holy Spirit actually point to? Yeah, Jesus. Right. Like, yeah. like that's what the Spirit's ministry, John 14 through John 16 is to point to Christ. Yeah, promotion of Jesus, yes. testifying of Jesus, That's right. elevating Jesus. That's right. The the spirit and this is a, a phenomenal aspect of the person of the spirit, uh, the person of the Holy Spirit is that he is so uh, he so much depicts what humility is that he points not to himself. He says worship Christ who has done these things and he calls to mind in the believer the teachings and the work of Christ himself. Yeah, that's good. And and so all of that to say, not that we shouldn't worship God the Holy Spirit because of course we should, but if ministry is centered around the activity of the Spirit and has therefore um dethroned Christ for lack of a better phrase, it's distorting the Godhead himself and it's moving uh persons of the Godhood Godhead out of the the way that we see them pictured in yeah. Scripture. Yeah. So we've got a distortion of God. Yeah. We've got a distortion of Christ. We've got a distortion of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, already we've moved outside of the 
bookends of scripture right, of what we right. would call the gospel. Right. But a fourth point we would add to that is even the prosperity gospel gives a wrong view of man. Mm. And what do, what do we mean by that, TJ? Well, I, we've kind of already hit on it a little bit with the distortion of Christ, but the, the man-centered theology behind the health and wealth gospel that behind health and wealth teaching says that man is almost like a little god right right like like we have the rights and the access to everything that god has and if we would just get out of our own way and just put faith in the right place that we can do all of the things that christ became the model for us and we could just we can do all of those things. right little god theology yeah and and what that i mean compare that with the reformed position regarding total depravity, right? Like, and we'll, we'll, there's really no comparison. It's, it's, it's so it's completely yeah. upside down. Yeah, like Paul's words in Romans three come immediately to mind. Um, there's no one who seeks after God. We are rebels. We hate God. We love our sin. We reject anything godly. And the health and wealth gospel promulgates the idea that we are in fact just little gods we are just like adam in the garden that we've we've we have we've been made directly in order to um we have access to to all these things and yeah. it's 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 just a misunderstanding of who man is because the whole gospel story is upside down yeah there's no denial of self there is no there's yeah. no longer i who lives but christ lives in me mm-hmm. uh, there is no abandonment of self-will mm-hmm. there's no luke chapter 18 uh the beggar that beats his chest god mm-hmm. be merciful to me a sinner mm-hmm. there's just not a recognition of the condition of mankind right because mankind is elevated in yeah. this false gospel and when you it, don't actually need a savior because to some degree you're okay with yourself yeah that's you. Gosh, you said exactly what I wanted to say. There's no need for a savior because of the elevation of man. It's a lowering of God because the what the reform position demonstrates is the lower we recognize we are and the higher we recognize God is, the bigger the cross becomes. And when in reality, that's 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 the truth. That's the biblical image. But the prosperity gospel has flipped that and says God is not actually as great as you think he is from the scriptures. And we are actually not nearly as bad as you think we are. And so there's no need. There's no more. There's no more chasm between us. There's no more holiness and distinction of God. And so it takes away, like you said, the need for a savior. And in fact, that's a, a good transition to think about not only is there a misunderstanding of man, and a misunderstanding of the of this gospel message, but there's a misunderstanding of sin um, because there's not a biblical understanding of what depravity is. Yeah, you know, essentially, sin is categorized as me doing something wrong. Maybe I've offended somebody. Mm-hmm. I've um, hurt somebody's feelings. Um, there isn't anything of the sorts of I have offended a holy and right. righteous. God. Yeah, I, I have violated God's law. Like that that's that idea concept yeah. is non existent. I have violated the judge of all the earth. Mm. Yeah, that idea, that concept, it's it's foreign. Right. In fact, it's almost frowned upon. It is because in health and wealth, word of faith thought, sin is in many ways equated with or uh, connected to poverty. So the if you are in need, it's because you are either sinning, if you have poor health, if you have disease, if you're um, lacking something, it's because you have sinned or you have 
um, done something that is not um, you, you don't have enough faith. Well, I'll say it that way. And so sin, in, in some sense, is a lack of faith that manifests itself in a lack of health and wealth. And so if you are to replace that with more faith, you receive health, you receive wealth, you receive God's favor, and that is your deliverance, not from the bondage of sin, but from the effects of poverty or disease or whatever else. And so salvation is thus equated with health and wealth. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, what health and wealth gospel is. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely it. Yeah. I don't even have anything to add to that. That was good. <laughs> well, well, great. Um, so okay. let's move into, so we've got some smaller components here in the, uh, here in our outline here uh, to kind of differentiate between mm. prosperity gospel, biblical gospel. So right. let, let's, let's zone in here on biblical preaching. What, 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 is, what does the health, wealth, prosperity gospel look like in comparison to solid from the text we're yeah. talking Nehemiah chapter 8 preaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's easier to start with what we would call expository preaching, right? Like doing what we try to do, um, which is exegeting the text, um, focusing on developing, um, preaching through books of the Bible, pulling out. That's what exegesis is, is pulling out of the text what the meaning is, which we've talked about, the author's intended meaning. Um, so, so these... That's the way that real biblical preaching takes place, whereas the health and wealth gospel is never going to do that. Instead, they are going to preach eisegesis, which is reading into, exegesis is out of, eisegesis is into the text. They are going to take thoughts, present them to you, and then go to a text to try to prove that. Yeah, eisegesis is so prevalent in this movement. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way you can get these yeah. points. You can't pull them out of the text. Yeah, you can't. And what's very common, very common, and I think this is a red flag and something to look for, is that the eisegesis is a majority of the time taken from Old Testament texts. Mm, I don't know really how many point. times I've seen these preachers go back to the Old Testament and they take a narrative text because those are the easiest texts mm-hmm. to eisegete. In other words you can manipulate that story to work in your favor mm-hmm. basically no matter what. Now, yeah. if, I mean, if you're trying to exegete uh, one of Paul's letters, right. um, it's going to be extremely difficult to throw something into that text and make it mean something that it doesn't. Now, it's possible, obviously, course, yeah. but it's very easy. Um, go, I mean, you can, what's an Old Testament text that people always go to for eisegesis purposes of making you the main character, the main... Um, you think I maybe mean, David and Goliath? Yeah. Is that the one you're thinking David of? David and Goliath yeah. is a classic one. Uh, Jacob and Esau, yeah. those are yeah. easy to talk about as yeah. well. I can make this passage mean something that it does right. not. It's allegorizing a passage yeah. to say, this is what this, this really paints a picture of this for us, even though that's not what the author meant, even though that's not what the Bible teaches. That concept is nowhere found there, but they will go to those texts. So then what you've got is you have an idea or a concept that is now associated, um, though not organically or naturally, it's now associated with a biblical passage. And so now, after I've been fed this lie over and over and over again, when I actually open my Bible to read that, that connection is forged. And so they, and they they do this, um, by, by the way, also by way of topical preaching, right? Like they're never going to preach verse by verse, because you, you know what you do if you preach verse by verse, you run into passages that talk about suffering. You can't skip it. Right. And so in order to 
maintain their theological presentation, they have to bounce around. Yeah. Um, which is the danger of strictly topical preaching. I'm not, you know, bashing topical preachers, uh, at least not in this episode. We'll do that some other time. Uh, but, <laughs> but if you only preach in a topical manner, that's how you can get around those passages. So, um, yeah, so you're yeah, going to see that. Type I mean, of thing. you're going to see cultural terminology. What you see happening in the culture is going to show up in their sermons mm-hmm. or in their teaching. Uh, and it, it's just blatant at this point. Yeah. I remember a series back uh, a few years ago that was titled The Real F Word. Wow. Okay. And uh, they were going to talk about forgiveness, right? <laughs> but it's using that type of phraseology, which is built strictly from the culture. You're, you're taking the culture into the church. That's right. You're, I mean, it's just, it's just a downward spiral. That's right, and that's and that's what you see. Um, so that even if you're not in Joel Osteen's church, but if you're in a church that characterizes that has many of these same types of that might be underneath what's going on yeah. um, within the the congregation. I think that that's a lot. Other things you you've mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth. Um, repeating is that the health and wealth movement very much preys on emotion and feelings. Like there's, this is, that's kind of the, some of the purpose behind what we want to do. We want to engage the mind. We, we want to activate and worship with the mind. Whereas spiritual and emotional manipulation occurs in the health and wealth type of preaching. Yeah. Like you're always going to have emotionalism. You're always going to have a, I, I want to feel good. I want, how do I, I want to chase that feeling. And so it's never about, let me use sound thinking, but rather it's an emotional appeal. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Paul, Galatians 1. Look, we can go to Romans 12, uh, a classic text, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. You go to First and Second Timothy. I would include Titus in this as well. Paul's always talking about sound doctrine, yes. right thinking, Um you go to First Corinthians chapter two, and he says, "Look, we have the mind of Christ." Mm. You know, so uh, there are so many texts that talk about engaging with the mind. Now, we're not saying emotion is bad. We're not saying experience is bad. No, but Christianity, the biblical gospel, is driven by knowledge of God, right, or an understanding of Christ, mm. um, thinking about biblical things. All, all of that before the emotion and the experience. Right. Those things follow. Yeah, those things are a result. I can get emotional thinking about the beauty of the gospel and the grace that was poured out on the cross. In fact, I find myself oftentimes when I'm singing Amazing Grace, I don't get emotional because the chords and the lighting are so good that I'm just being manipulated. It's that I'm thinking about the fact that I was a wretch, I was a wicked sinner, and that God saved me out of his own grace. That that moves me emotionally, but it's not my emotion driving my thought. It's that that my thought, uh, as I dwell on the cross, as I dwell on the gospel, I am so moved by it that I can't help but become emotional. I can't help but to respond and experience that love that God has for us. There's a difference between one driving the other. Yeah, even even in the way you're explaining that, there's emotion and there's passion yeah. that, that I can see that's within you explaining those deep biblical truths. Yeah. So we're, we're not saying... <laughs> of course not. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. I think you guys understand where we're going with that. Right. Okay, so health, wealth, prosperity. Let's talk about the wealth aspect of it. Is mm. the Bible against money? Yes, all the time. Never, <laughs> no. No, no, no. Sell everything that you have. Right. Never own anything. Uh, no. So of what's cor- the mis- Okay, what's the misunderstanding between prosperity gospel and a biblical understanding of money? Well, <laughs> that's probably another episode. But yeah, briefly, but, let's, yeah, let's, but just to hit the high, like the first thing that comes to mind there is that there's an eternal perspective that comes with the way that the Bible depicts money. Money is a tool. Uh, money is, uh, we have been granted these gifts from God of which we are stewards. We are not owners of this. Everything belongs to God. And I think of, of Jesus' words um, in the Gospels where he speaks of, storing up treasures for yourself not here on earth where where the those treasures will pass away and where moth moth destroys but rather store up for yourself treasures in heaven and so there's an eternal mindset that's missing here um yeah and the parable of the rich fool luke 12 verse 21 jesus concluding that parable he, he says well let, let's be rich towards god in other words, our resources are for gospel promotion, for right. kingdom enterprises, and, right? And there's there's so many instances in the New Testament where money has, we don't get all the details from Luke, but money is helping Paul in these missionary journeys, driving them forward. They couldn't, I mean, Paul works as a tent maker to support himself, like he makes money. Um, money itself is not a bad thing. The Bible speak. I mean, Solomon had the greatest riches in the world, and God gave those things to him. Now, if you misappropriate, if you miss, um, if you kind of misprioritize where those things are, then of course you're going to run into trouble. Um, you know, it's not that money is the root of all evil; it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, and we have to distinguish between those two. But there's a really fine line, and the prosperity gospel focuses on material wealth as the only means by which God has given his favor. Yeah, and and that extends, according to them and their sources, that extends all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12. That's right. Which is so bizarre because if you go back and read that wonderful text and that wonderful promise uh, that we (laughs) see there... Sure, land is promised. Mm -hmm. We we understand that. But trying to connect um, the things of this world and riches and possessions to Abraham and that covenant that God had made with him is a gross misrepresentation and interpretation of that passage. We we reject that, by the way. Of course, of course. You know, I was thinking about this as you were talking, um, because I wasn't listening to what you were saying. But, That's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I was thinking about this, that the health and wealth gospel says that God blesses us by giving us wealth. But in a lot of ways, I think it's true that God, sometimes that's his greatest form of wrath against us to give us material goods because that's what our hearts desire. If, if we are outside of Christ, that, that I'm thinking of Romans 1 when it says that God gave them over to their debased mind, like you know what? You want riches so bad? If that's all you want, here you go. And you take that. Like, that is judgment upon them in a lot of ways. Um, it, it's easier for a camel to, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven because a rich man doesn't have needs in this world. He 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, well, that pour out. God might be pouring out His wrath, and we think it's His blessing. Right. Yeah. That reminded me of a passage that I taught on at church uh, about a year ago, uh, from Judges, Judges chapter 17, yeah. and the story of Micah, who basically set up an idolatrous, mm-hmm. quote unquote, temple in his own house. Right. But at the end of that narrative, because a Levite priest had made his way uh, to Ephraim and his his conclusion is i must be blessed by god because god right. is sending a levite god yeah. is sending a priest to me which in reality that yeah. he misunderstood right. his entire life at yeah. that point scary scary way of thinking by the it, way it is, of saying because we can all fall into that trap oh this must be from god this mu- uh, god gave me a sign that that type of thinking okay if if that person if they offer me a job then i'm going to go i'm going to go for it. that must be from god and then the job offer comes and we go that must be but it it may it might be from god but it might be him testing you right. or it might be his judgment and we have to be careful not to equate those two and that's what the health and wealth gospel does um okay last question i have regarding the this distortion or or maybe some of the monikers or or marks of the prosperity gospel. We talk about health and wealth. Um, so, how how do they distort the health side? And what about some of these quote unquote healings? Right, like like we've talked about the monetary wealth, but what about the health side? You know, the the whole idea behind the prosperity gospel in the health category is that God wants everybody to be healthy. Mm-hmm. God wants everybody to physically be right mm-hmm. in the way that we would say right. God doesn't want anybody to be sick. No disease. Yeah, no disease. Yeah. That, no, no pain. Yeah, all, all of those things, which in Revelation 21 and 22, in the new heaven and the new earth, right. there is no pain. There, Yeah, praise God. There's no crying. There's mm-hmm. no tears. Mm-hmm. None of that exists. But is, is it really God's will for everybody to be made whole and right, physically speaking, here I would argue absolutely not. It, it can't be, by the way, because it's not. And if I mean, it were God's think, will, it yeah, would be done. Right? I mean, let's just think logically about this. Uh, go to any hospital, right? Right? <laughs> or you know, I mean, of course, you, well, we we could go down that go down that road. Um, but this is what's propagated: yeah. that God wants you healthy, and if you come to Christ. That's how it will be for you. Mm-hmm. And again, we, I think we could argue and demonstrate from Scripture that that, that, that is just not the gospel. Well, and That's not even a component of it, of at least not. here, right? Yeah, yes, in this life, yeah. that's not the case. Because every day that I wake up and my back hurts or my <laughs> hips bothering me or whatever, you know what I'm reminded of? I'm not God. Like, that's what, I mean, honestly, like, there's a, I'm not, the reason why we have this uh, broken, deteriorated, body that we live in now and that there is pain and sickness is because of sin and it's because God has not um, as you mentioned with Revelation 21 and 22 he has not fulfilled that part of it's the already not yet you know and and that part is still coming where there's full restoration and so there there's use and benefit of pain and suffering. It's not, nobody wants it. I don't right. want to watch people suffer and go through those things. I don't want to suffer. The apostles um, did. Th- Galatians right. 4, Paul says those churches would have gladly gouged out their eyes. Right. He, to he give also, it to him. Yeah, to give them to him. He also mentions in Galatians 6, writing 
in, in large mm-hmm. print. So there's an indication that Paul could have vision problems. He tells Timothy in First Timothy, "Hey, look, drink some wine right. for stomach Your issues." Stomach. Epaphroditus was almost sick to death in right. Philippians and, chapter three. Right. Um, I, mean, it, I mean, the list honestly goes on and of on of faithful uh, believers in the New Testament yeah. that aren't. They're not well. Well, what happens to Paul everywhere he goes? The man gets beaten and yeah. whipped and stoned. I mean, Stephen is yeah. martyred to death. He's going through a, a, a incredible agony. But that is not because of those things. You're going, well, wait a second. Those are the f- most faithful of 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 the Christian movement. Those right. are those are the leaders of the those are the apostles and the early church leaders and they suffered like that. How much more for us? Why should why should we expect any different? Um but okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. What about these I'm ready. <laughs> well, I've got the easy job. What about all the healings? Lance, like I've heard I I've heard the stories that Todd White has shared about people's legs growing in the, on the spot as we prayed for them. I've heard about the heart palpitations being fixed and all the all the issues with their um, organs being put back in place. I've heard about all these things, or I've seen it. I've, I've heard people who have said that. I've watched it happen. Right. What do we do with that? Yeah, a, a couple ways I would respond to that. One, in the New Testament, whenever Jesus and the apostles and, and a few others are healing— they always heal organic diseases. And wh- what I mean by that is they heal things that are visible to the eye. Mm. In other words, it's not my ankle is sore, I stubbed my big toe, my head hurts. Well, mm-hmm. no, we're talking about people that can't walk. Mm-hmm. We're talking about people that can't see or can't hear or literal resurrections from the dead. Mm-hmm. They can be tangibly seen. Well, prosperity gospel the ailments can't be seen. Um, I think we could also demonstrate that at like a Benny Hinn conference Mm -hmm. or whatnot, that people that are actually sick or that actually need healing are shoved to the side and the people with the headaches or the sore wrist are the ones brought on stage where adrenaline or mind over matter type Mm -hmm. situations can look like an actual healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But then secondly, I would argue that you're telling me that these men that cannot explain or teach or preach the true biblical gospel, that somehow they have the same supernatural healing capabilities that Jesus and the apostles have, it just doesn't add up. Now, uh, on one sense, I think the Bible does speak on the ability for Satan to have and demons to have some sort of supernatural power. In yeah. other words, in Second Thessalonians, it appears that Antichrist will have false signs and wonders. We know back in the early portions of Exodus That's, with the magicians yeah. copying some mm-hmm. of the plagues. Um, That's exactly where I was going to turn. You see, you see those things occur. Yeah. So uh, let's let's just say that it is something authentic. I wouldn't say it's authentic from God because. Mm. They aren't propagating a true biblical gospel, right. which in fact means they then don't have the Holy Spirit within them. Well, and to to I hope that wasn't too confusing. There, I followed exactly what you're yeah. saying, and to to continue in that, every single time in Scripture where you see these miraculous occurrences, whether it's by the hand of the apostles or by the hands uh, of some of the the writers of the Old Testament. Every single time that you see those things, they are associated with the proclamation of the Word of God, right? Like it's a verification. It's a way of, of 
verifying and affirming that this is indeed from God, that these words um, are God's themselves. And every single time, the, the point is to point back to what God has said. It's to point back to God's word. And in this case, it would be to point back to the gospel in scripture. But none of that occurs in these so-called healings. Instead, it's look at how great I am as a healer. Come to me, pay your money to me. And yeah, I might kind of give a backhanded way of saying, if you'll do this, then God has given me the ability. So I kind of sort of give God credit, but Benny Hinn is not about God. Benny Hinn's about Benny Hinn or vice versa, you know, whoever it might be. And so even if these things were really occurring, the point would be to say, look at how great our God is. Look at the miracle that God has performed. But it, you don't see that. Instead, you see these manipulations. You see the partial healings. You see uh, the selected um, healings. And none of them ultimately serve to glorify God. Right. And that, that's. I think that that would be a good place for us to wrap up is that the prosperity gospel it's not for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. It's not at all. Now, I think one last thing we'll add before we finish up this episode. You got at least an article from Piper. Yeah. You know, yeah. something that you found. Um, well, th- just real briefly, um, how do I recognize if I'm under one of these prosperity gospel preachers or teachers? How do I recognize that even if I don't go to these churches, and maybe I'm listening to a, a guy who um, I, I like his books or and I'm, I'm reading through those or whatever else. What are some of the markers of prosperity gospel? And we've already really highlighted, but here's a here's a succinct list that I think cuts to the heart of the issue, right? Six items. One, lack of a doctrine of suffering. We, we've hit on that. Two, the absence of a clear and prominent doctrine of self-denial. It's not about what you want. It's about God. Three, the absence of serious exposition of Scripture. Verse by verse, what does the Bible say? Not skipping it. Uh, Four, the absence of dealing with tensions in Scripture. There are many texts that contradict what these men are saying. If you don't deal with that tension, if you don't address those tensions, you're not being honest with the text. Five, leaders who have exorbitant lifestyles. Really, really, really big red flag when you see that. The, The man of God, the leader of the church is not called to live in excess. He's called to live humbly. And the exor- these leaders are worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's scary the amount of money they have. And then finally, a prominence of self and a marginalization of the greatness of God. In other words, a complete distortion and flipping of who God is and who man is. Um, so if those things are present, you those are the, the red flags. Those are the markers of someone who is promoting a prosperity gospel or health yeah. and wealth thought. Yeah. Rent or buy American Gospel <laughs> yes. on Amazon. I think Brandon Kimber, I think was his name, yeah, can, who, who put that together. You've watched that about a dozen times. Yeah. So you know better than me. But. Uh, Justin Peters, follow him on Twitter. <laughs> uh, he is lethal on there. He is. Uh, Costi Hen, he's got a couple books out, uh, Defining Deception. Costi Hen is actually Benny Hen's nephew, so he has an interesting perspective. Um, I think he, he, he was another... caught up in that for a long yeah, time, yeah. was part of the ministry, uh, got redeemed. God saved him out of that, and he is now kind of exposing what's gone on in those cases. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So the initiative, real quick, um, I, I, I think I want to, again, make sure to uh, mention our heart behind mm-hmm. why we did this episode. It's to talk about the teaching that leads so many astray. 
And then I would also add to that that whenever we do come across someone that's caught up in the prosperity gospel and we expose them to the true biblical gospel, that we want to be patient in the way mm-hmm. that they respond. You know, if they've been caught up in something like this for two or three decades, when they're exposed to the truth and they're exposed to the light, it's going to be hard to to strip them down um, to a a fresh start. Uh, So in our evangelism, in our proclamation of the true gospel up against the prosperity gospel, we just need to be patient with with the people uh, uh, that we're talking with. Yeah, that's a a really good word. It's a really good reminder. Uh, And for me, my initiative, and this is something that could probably be my initiative every single episode we ever do, but that is just the importance and the necessity of the centrality of the true biblical gospel. Uh, I'm just reminded constantly that I need to be preaching that gospel to myself daily. Um, That's the lifeblood of the Christian to know and to dwell upon um, that gospel. And the more that gospel is centralized in my life and in my thinking and in my theology and how I uh, worship, the more that is put um, on on display and the more prominent role it has, um, the easier it is for me to see these distortions and to um, recognize variations and deviations from the gospel itself. So we just need to constantly put that true biblical gospel in front of our our minds and hearts um, so that we might be reminded of of that greatness. Hey, if you're not following us on Instagram and Twitter, make sure you do that at our underscore informants and make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com.